I am a professional code switcher. Thank you. Welcome to WGBN. This is your girl, Kelly Howard, and we're here for the smooth move sounds of of the 90s. We're going to be playing a lot of... um, No, 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 no. No, we're going to be playing a lot of, do you mind if I stroke you up? I don't mind. Do you mind? (laughs) We'll be the the worst group ever. (sighs) Hey. If you send Cardi B again, Kelly. (laughs) I did start out like, hey, (laughs) I make money moves. (laughs) See, I don't dance now. You know what? This week, I have picked up, I have gotten two checks already and I have to go pick up a check for my agent and I have shows coming up at the end of the week mm-hmm. that are like paying and you know like my workshop is paying a substantial like I just I'm making money this week and it's been crazy like so but like the last move. two weeks it's been in my head like I make money moves bitch <laughs> like I got a bag and fix my teeth like even though I ain't shit wrong with that's my teeth I still it. got a bag that's how you gotta do it sometimes I got a bag and fix my dog teeth we were just talking about <laughs> <laughs> We just talking about my dog breath smelling that so goddamn bad. So oh. oh my god, not the cute one. Oh, the one that just looks like a big mop. Ricky, he oh, has Ricky. his breath smells so bad. When I tell you that, I took him to the vet yesterday, and he was like, "We can do a deep clean. We can get under the gums. We can really, you know, uh-huh. get the bacteria." <laughs> I'll quote you. I'll send you a quote via email. That's when I knew bitch is probably not gonna happen because <laughs> if you gotta send me a quote via email. That lets me know it's super expensive. super expensive. Like, tell me right now, how much is this going? Is this ain't no ninety nine dollar fee? This ain't <laughs> just a general. Girl, that quote was four hundred and fifty three dollars. I said this dog breath will just smell. Will just will just smell. Sometimes there's just nothing left to say. Sometimes Kelly will say it anyway. I want to thank our sponsor, She Funny, a platform created to encourage funny women of color to be empowered in their funny by offering various resources and online visibility. And also our friends here at Cards Against Humanity for their hospitality and donated studio space. I appreciate you both. Hey, what up, y'all? It is your girl, Kelly Howard, here on Kelly Talks, the podcast. And uh, I am super excited about today's podcast. We have my homegirl, Lisa Lair, in the building. Comedian, actress, uh, writer, currently finishing up on her book. She was just recently on Laugh Mobs, True TV, um, which if you heard an episode a couple weeks ago, Corey Bell. Also, shout out to Corey Bell. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so here she is in studio with us today and i'm super I'm excited. excited are you i am i'm yeah. so excited i've been waiting for this like i've been waking up every day like it's christmas for tuesday N- nice <laughs> nice yes. i actually love the podcast yeah. you just yo i love your energy your personality is always like from the first time i met you like well i want to say six years ago to now you just did Seeing the difference in you is like that one thing that's always constant is like your spirit. It's always been super dope. Oh, thank you. She said the one thing that's out. Your personalities aren't, but your spirit, girl, it's in there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always just like, you know, like Kelly Cubby, like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm trying, G. I'm trying. I'm trying in these streets. It's hard. Um, so how was Laugh Mob? Tell me a little bit about that. How was that experience for you? That was super cool. Like 
<laughs> we when we got there, we thought it was gonna be like one of those situations where it's like, well, I'm not really a known comic, so it's gonna be just cool. They was like, oh, y'all the star, this that. We like. Really? What? I know she told me about some. Uh, oh she wanted God. some avocados or no. something, and they ran out and got no, it. it was or some peaches. Peaches, peaches. yeah. <laughs> we were standing there. Oh my God, it was the funniest thing. We were standing there, and Corey was like, Man, I really want some peaches. And the director turned around, like, What kind of peaches did you want? Organic or like, you know, regular? And she was like, Organic? Oh I'm my like, what? God. So I was like, Well, I just want some coffee. They were like, What kind of coffee? Starbucks? So, so everybody ordered their stuff, and the dude forgot Corey's peaches. OMG. Like, she did not tell me that no. on the thing. Oh, she did not. Tell me that on the podcast. So she didn't Dude get them forgot. peaches? No, this is what happened. <laughs> Dude forgot the peaches. Came back with her coffee. Everybody's happy. And then Corey, like maybe two hours later, Corey's like, man, I really want some peaches. So the director turns around again and like, uh, excuse me, what happened to Corey's peaches? So he's like, PA, what happened to Corey's peaches? And he's like, Corey peaches, peaches, peaches. I'm like, what is going on? Everybody's talking about Corey's peaches. So, so this this scrawny little dude runs back up. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, it was so much stuff. We forgot the peaches. He's like, you forgot the star's peaches? How did you forget the star's peaches? Like, this is not somebody. This She's she's filming. This is, we're here for her. And you oh, forget wow. her peaches? Corey was like, no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> he was like, no, no, no. You want the peaches? We're going to get you peaches. I was wow. like, I want a plane. <laughs> I want a helicopter. That's what I want. That is funny. Wow. Well, I'm glad that was a great experience for you. Yeah, it was super dope. Like, yeah. the, the different celebs coming on stage or just coming in to hang. That was so cool. They were, like, just regular people talking to us. and it Ooh, was What cool. celebrities did you guys have there? Uh, Michael Black was there oh, okay. and he was real chill and then um um uh Wayans oh I love her which oh Shantae Wayans Shantae yeah. yeah she was so freaking cool oh my goodness she just sat there and talked and was like legit everybody was kind of like freaking and oh my god she was just like what up now I'm like oh yeah she's super her. cool oh my god it was so cool yeah I that remember cool. we kind of started together we've been doing it about the same time so I remember us in our very early days so out there grinding in the streets <laughs> she's amazing yeah um well, that's great that you had that experience. That was your first TV? Yes. Like, for real, for real. Because I, I did the Steve Harvey show. I did um, Ask Steve, and that was fun. Because um, they was just like, well, we know you do comedy, so could you write something funny? I'm like, what? <laughs> so you had to do an Ask, ask Steve? Yeah. Um, so the question was like, I just made some stuff up about my daughter being like an old lady. Cause uh, it's true. Cause she does act like an older lady. Cause she hang out with her granny all the time. But, uh, they I had think me I remember you doing that joke on stage. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Steve was like cracking up and we couldn't get through it for real. Cause he was just like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know. They just <laughs> told me to ask you. So I'm asking. That's so it was funny. Fun. But just as me being me, like for real, yeah, that was my first one. And I, I was like, oh, I want to do some more TV. What do you feel you learned from that experience? Um, honestly, just to keep being me. Because what we what we saw, and I think it's because we're fairly newer in the game, so we still hungry and we still want to impress or have people have a good time. Uh-huh. So you got these extras on, on, um, on set for. 14 hours and they like and then everybody coming up is like so robotic and they not even remembering to they're still an audience so when we performed it was like an open mic and that's how it went so when Corey, Corey filmed before me and Corey was like man I'm just gonna go up and have fun because I'm so nervous I just need to have fun I'm like yeah gee just go up there and so they're like do you for 10 seconds then go into the joke and we're like oh crap so for 
those 10 seconds leading into the joke, it's like, well, I hope they're going to record over this because I'm finna just go. And that's what it was. And they were cracking up, laughing, hollering, having a good time. The people on the side telling them what to do, like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to have a break for this little four minutes. And when we when I went so up, So they would pause like, you in the middle of your set? Yeah. Like, well, it was like that's they had like four to five minutes of our set. And so um, the actors go around, so you're really only going to see us for, like, maybe 10, 15 seconds on screen. Right. And then the rest of it is just the filming. Yeah. So, but while they were there, they have the audience reactions, and everybody else, they, like, laugh, laugh, loud, put your hands <laughs> up. And it's like, okay. But then when you have Corey go up, and Corey just came out there, like, like it was a Monday night at Francis, you right. know? So, like, it was like, okay. So, then, shoot, I went up, like, shoot, I got to, I can't come shortstop and lay out else. Right. I got to go, too. So, it was really fun. I don't them laugh cards i'm gonna show up <laughs> right and the producers were like y'all just well all right then y'all was awesome because that was so fun they and don't that understand was, chicago <laughs> they clearly don't they don't understand we they come don't. with it we do it and it was that was the thing like everybody on set was just like coming up to us like because she filmed the day before and then they had some of the same extras and they were like y'all y'all was the best like we loved y'all we, we got something so to prove fun. for whatever it is chicago it we is. have something to I think, prove i think that's a thing it's a real thing well that's exciting um how did your daughter feel about it <laughs> She... My daughter hates it. <laughs> like when we're out and people have made like come up to me and they're like, Lisa Lear. My daughter's always like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so she wasn't excited about your TV performance? No. No. No, because no, she's like, Tell her don't be petty. <laughs> I do all the time. How I'm old like, is she? Nine. She can't be petty enough. Girl, I'm like, but look, when I get on, we can do like all the stuff you really want to do. And then you know you're gonna get all them perks. And she'd be like, Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you a single mother or is her dad around yeah he kind of present kind of yeah. yeah like around tax time <laughs> <laughs> around tax time yeah I we can't. talk so much right now i'm like oh how hard how is that how like what are some of the challenges you find yourself facing trying to do comedy and being a single mother because i know me my, you know i always had my mom mm-hmm. for that late night mm-hmm. i was able to kind right. of pawn her off <laughs> if i wanted to go do a show um but, it's I won't say it's easy because I'm I'm me and my daughter, that's my bestie. Like we roll thick as thieves. And so the thing about it is, uh my family and his family is actually really supportive. So his mom is just like, Look, follow your dreams because you actually have talent and we wanna see you succeed. We wanna see you do this. So do your thing. And then my people are the same way. Like when I was in high school, I was like, I'm gonna go to the military to help my grandmother um out and they all was like, we'll pay you to go to college. We'll give you a car. Just go to school for acting. Do that. Because oh, they believed wow. in me that much. And I was like, gung-ho on paying her back because my, my mom was a drug addict. So I was, she took me and my two sisters in. And so she raised us. And I'm like, I got to pay you back. I got to make sure you're good. And my career kind of took a back seat until I found comedy again. And now, you know, I have a lot of help. My support system is really dope. And sometimes it's hard with my daughter because she's like, I want my mom, I want my mom, because her dad really isn't there. And right. I'm the sole parent. So it's just like, sometimes, like, especially when I'm gone a lot, and I'm, like, those shows, you know how the shows come back to back to back, and you're like, oh, man, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, might be on Friday, now I'm back Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It is like, crap, yeah. you know, and, and the kids kind of take a back seat because they see you for 15 minutes, and then it's back out because I'm asleep or I'm woke. And... So who did you grow up with if your mom? My grandmother. You grew up with your grandmother? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, my father passed away when I was seven. Um, and my grandmother pretty much raised me and my sisters. How was that not having, because was he in your life prior to you yeah. passed away? Yeah, my dad was super present, and my dad was one of those really good guys. Like, he was raised um, in a 
Christian household and it was, you know, you take care of your kids and everything like that. And my sister's dad's one lived in Arizona and the other one was kind of like, you know, with someone else. So he was just like, well, if she come, they can come too. And stuff like that. Just trying so to be there. So he took care of all yeah. of the kids, even though they weren't. Mm-hmm. So is that when your mother started drugs when after he passed away? Or was she no. already dealing with that? Um, she she had me when she was 18. She started doing drugs at 21. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You the oldest? Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. And I have two younger sisters. And it, it was weird. It was hard because a lot of times you was she would be there and then she wouldn't be. Right. So... Yeah, my mom was on drugs too growing up, so I kind of know that in and out. And I grew up with my grandmother. Um, Gosh, I guess we are spending (laughs) so much. We just have so many connections. Um, Right, okay. So how did that fuel your desire to be a comedian growing up in a household with your grandmother? Did you always find – because I noticed I had to – like create ways to do things like I, I didn't have any I didn't have any you had two younger sisters I didn't right. have any ch- children around my age so I had to make myself entertained basically I had to entertain myself <laughs> so <laughs> that's um, probably where my comedy came from like where did you did you always want to be a stand-up I didn't, did it I didn't I always really really legit wanted to do acting like that was my thing. I loved the theater. Like, I, I grew up in a Chicago theater company, plays, writing them. That was me. That was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be, like, the best dramatic actress ever. I was not funny. And I got a smart mouth, though. So a lot of times I insult people. And they're like, oh, my God, that was so funny. And I'm like, no, I was, that wasn't. <laughs> that was to be to be funny. Me. <laughs> Definitely being mean. And that's how I fell into comedy. Like, I was working at a beauty supply, and, you know, women in their hair weave, that becomes a thing, and people be crazy as heck. And so um, I used to just throw them out there like, oh, okay. And you would just be insulting so, people. yes. And this one lady was like, you are so funny, girl. You should do this show with Big Papa. And I'm like, who? She's like, well, Big Papa, girl, my friend Big Papa is doing this comedy show, and you should do it. I'm going to give you his number. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm okay. I'm not calling nobody named Big Papa. <laughs> that sounds like porn. I'm not going to do that. So and what, then, did you do it, though? Yeah, my coworker, she gave the lady my number, and Big Papa called. I was laying next to my baby daddy at the time. We were still together. And <laughs> Big Papa comes across like, hey, uh, this is Big Papa. I'm like, oh man i'm like hey how's it going real loud so he knows it's not i don't know know who this is so um he's like yeah we got this comedy show it's gonna be at club angels in dalton and uh it's paying 75 dollars i'm like seven oh i'm there i'm I'm, I'm in there i hadn't wrote anything down that was your very first first stand-up show show. that's amazing getting paid 75 dollars for the first time and you never even looked at a stage before never i've never (laughs) been to a comedy club like i watched it on television all the time and i loved i loved stand-up comedy like i did how was that show was that show shit? It was so trash. I was going to say, that just sounds like a shitty ass show. It sounds like trash. you went in there and bombed. I know. Diggity, nigga. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> it's the funny, that's the funny part. Like, I didn't bomb. And it was so funny because I was like, man, I really need to, like, do this. And my mom was like, just talk about anything. And I did that. I was like, I'm just going to go up there and I'm going to talk about anything. And it went over. And then it was. This, you said it and it worked. It worked. <laughs> and it was the comic from Indiana. And her name was 38D. And she was like, you should go to the comedy club and do some comedy girl because you got it. And I was like, okay. And the next week I went to Jokes and Oaks. And failed. Terribly. Oh, my God. <laughs> the bombs over Baghdad, okay. <laughs> you hear me? It was absolutely the worst. I was like. And then I never forget Marlon Mitchell was hosting. He was like, at least you're cute, y'all. <laughs> at least like, you're cute. 
like, that's oh. funny. Yeah, because it's different in a comedy club than in doing a one-off show. Because yes. a lot of times you do a one-off show, they they've never even been to stand. They don't even know what right. to expect. But a comedy club, they come in for comedy. Baby, <laughs> when I came I came up there, and I was like, I don't know what that was. I'm so sorry. Plus, jokes and notes on a Wednesday night was a ruthless crowd. Anyway. Oh my god! Like, they... shout out to Mary Lindsay. Yes. Jokes and notes, man. I missed that place. Man, so bad. I'm t- it was so bad. Okay, so let's uh, shift gears a little bit. So you had recently, um, you were doing comedy, and then you had some health concerns come up. Yes. Oh, my God. That was the worst year of my so life. So tell me a little <laughs> bit about that. What what exactly went ha- what, what happened? So I'm always, I can have a sneeze, and I'm at the doctor like, I need to know what's going on because something's not right. So um, I was feeling under the weather. I had just was always really fatigued, and I started losing weight really fast, and I didn't understand. So maybe about two months into that, my mom was, like, getting really concerned. Like, my grandmother, she was just like, yo, you might want to go to the doctor. She was like, You call your mom your grandmother? Yeah. Your grandmother mom? Yeah. I mean, oh, call okay. my grandmother mom. Um. And I was like, no, I'm okay. I'm good. And she's like, no, you're sleeping a lot. She's like, you're not pregnant, are you? I'm like, uh, no. So I went to the doctor, and I had to get my regular pap smear and everything like that. And this, my doctor's been my doctor since my daughter was born. So mm-hmm. she's like, we talking, joking, everything like that. And so she called me maybe three days later, like, hey, you need to come in. And I'm like, okay. So I come in, and she's like, okay, um, I got to go get you some pamphlets right fast, but I'm going to come back, and we're going to talk about some things. And so I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting there on my phone. I'm oblivious I, just so <laughs> oblivious like I I will never forget that day I was legit I had I had double booked shows that day and I was trying to see if I could make it with enough time to get to the other one so she talking to me and she came and she slid the pamphlet in front of me and she was like now we can we have a counselor who we can talk to but we're gonna do some other things first and I looked at the pamphlet and I just remember seeing cancer with a question mark and I was like Whose pamphlet is this? Who does this belong to? What do you need? I'm like, what's wow. going on? I'm like, what? I'm like, you ain't even check my titties. Like, what's going on? And she's like, mm, well, um, we have to do some more testing, but you, it looks like you may be in the early stages of cervical cancer. And I was like, mm, 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 okay, mm, <laughs> uh, well. Let's do this other test before we go getting crazy. So she's like, okay. So I'm driving. Your first she, response was, let's just get the test? Yeah, let's just do these that's other pretty, tests. That's amazing to, to receive it like that and yeah, not freak out. because I was not finna. I'm like, she said maybe. You yeah. know, it's just, I'm, who's not had an uh, abnormal apps near before? Right. So I went and had a biopsy. <laughs> this doctor was like some little Indian lady, and she's like, oh. I'm like, excuse me? I'm like, I'm looking. I'm on. Is the that table. what she said? Yes, because like they 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 put this solution on you, and the cancer cells it turns white, and so I guess she saw a lot of white. So then the biopsy turned into um, a colonoscopy or something like that, where they actually had to like cut a piece. Coposcopy, of, I think yes. it's called. I know what you're talking about. Yes. Where they cut, they yeah, they've so done they, that to they me. They legit had to do that. Snip skin from an inside, yes. right? Yeah. So now I'm like, okay. So sure enough, it was. I'm. This all happened like in a week. And that Friday, that was a Monday, I came back that month, the following Monday, and she had more pamphlets. And she was just like, okay, so this is real. We have options. You know, you may not have to go through chemo. We can maybe do a leap surgery with a partial hysterectomy. And I'm like, you. Does that mean you can't have any more children? She was, it was a, it's a really hard chance. It's really hard for me to get pregnant at this point. 
You, do you want any more children? Not really. I was gonna say no, that's good. probably a, it's like yeah. uh, thanks uh, birth uh, control from God. Right, no. I was gonna say a free, <laughs> <laughs> a free <laughs> tube snipping. Right, but I just I do I remember sitting on that table and I just I burst into tears because at oh, first no. it was kind of like mm, whatever it's not serious, but then I just kept thinking like, OMG, and a lot of times and I try my best when people are sick to help them think positive because the minute I admitted that I was sick, I got sicker. Then it was um, going from 160 to 130 in weight and then not being able to eat, not being able to get out of bed. And then like... You think that was more psychological? Yeah. Because it was like, it was acknowledging I'm sick. Before it was, it wasn't so, it just came on really fast. Mm -hmm. You know, before it was happening to me and I didn't know why or what was going on and I was going on about normal life but when it started hitting me that's when I started acknowledging and it really started taking me over and one day I will never forget my daughter was six years old and I just I I was so tired I really was tired emotionally physically I was hurting and I was just like I don't want to do this no more I think I give up I really do life or can't everything or or comedy life life. I I, I text my daughter's father and I said look I know you got a lot going on, but I think I need you to take Nevaeh, and um, I'm not going to go through with chemo. Her name is Heaven Backward? Mm-hmm. Oh. And um, I'm like, I just, I give up. I'm not strong enough. I don't have it in me. So how did you find it? I laid down in the bed, and I had slept for two days. And when I woke up, I remember going to sleep with shoes on, my jacket, and um, my clothes. When I woke up, for real, for real, woke up. My daughter had taken off my shoes, my jacket, got me in the pajamas somehow, and put a blanket over me. And she had been feeding herself. So during this time, you were living alone. Yeah. And your daughter was there, too. Mm-hmm. So you slept for I was two days somebody. with your daughter yeah. there. I was dating a guy, and um, he was working overnights and stuff like that. And, like, I guess I was, like, kind of responding on autopilot, like, I'm okay, fine. But, like, my daughter was home with me. And those two days, she fed herself. She made sure she didn't burn down my house and everything. And when I finally came to with enough strength to really be able to move around and do what I needed to do to get out of her grandmother's house to get to school and stuff, I had realized she was taking care of herself. Mm -hmm. And she was taking care of me. And I remember my childhood being taken from me. I had to take care of my sisters. I had to take care of my mom, like when she would OD or when she would be beaten up, stuff like that. I, um... I take your time. I wasn't a kid. Yeah. And I was her age. And I didn't want that for her. Yeah. So I had to make a choice. And so I did. And I decided I wanted to live. So we went and I took her to her grandmother's house, called my doctor. I said, I'm going to do whatever I got to do. And she was like, okay, let's do it. And we went and I had my surgery and I came on on the other side and after that, it was more so getting back to health, getting back to being happy. So the surgery was seamless. It worked. Yeah, it worked. It worked. Um, the first year was really nervous because the passenger came back abnormal again. But she's like, sometimes it happens. So don't don't freak. So, you know, we did everything. And I was still, I had my appetite back. I had energy again. And, um, like, my mental, it, it it was that's why it really struck me when we did the meditation because it is a, it's a mental thing mm-hmm. and so I had to have a peace with myself because when you give up on life and you get to a point where you start running things back in your mind and I remember my father my my father died from AIDS and so when he was sick 
before he was sick, he was full of life and just vibrant and everything. And then when he got sick, he was a shell of a man. Yeah. And I'll never forget that. I have two memories of my father, a very bright, lively person. And then I have one where it's people crowding his space and him being this big and just not really being there. Yeah, it's hard to see people get sick like that. <sighs> yeah, yeah, but that's the, your daughter. That's a beautiful thing. Like the strength of a child is so amazing to me sometimes. Like when I think about, I used to, you know, you you do all these woulda, shoulda, couldas. I wish I would have made better decisions so that I could have given them a two-parent household mm-hmm. and, I should, and she wouldn't have to be so independent. But then I think about her today and I am in a two-parent household with a husband and, you know, another child and I look at her independence. It is freaking phenomenal. Yep. Like it's amazing how self-sufficient she is and I don't even... You know, I still parent her, at, but she's so on her own shit. Mm-hmm. She just knows, like, I have to get it done. This is how life has to be because yep. nobody's going to do it for me. That's, like, her attitude. And it, it's not that she doesn't believe that mom's going to be there. She just knows that mom is the last resort. Yep. I need to figure this out, and then I'll go to my mom. And I think that they get that from us because I never really leaned on my mom yep. unless I needed her to babysit, obviously. <laughs> but for other shit, you know, when uh-huh. you're trying to get shit done, they see you work hard. Yeah. And they and get something from that. She's been like that since she was little. Like, we, That's used, so to, beautiful. we used to buy her um, those strap-over shoes. She would not wear these shoes. Like... At all. She didn't know anything about tying shoes. She just knew she wasn't going to wear the strap over shoes. I just know that she these like, ain't the ones that I be seeing like, people have on no, their feet. <laughs> no. So when she was like three years old, she was like, uh-uh, I want regular shoes. And she's been tying her shoe ever since then. I know that's right. Walking. She started walking at like 10 months. Like, she's always been more of a independent soul. Like, she's just like, I want to do it by myself. So you've been in remission for three years now? Yes. Yes. And steadily going, huh? It yes, feels good. You, it does. <laughs> but it's like sometimes when you get sick and you like real sick, you like, is this it? Is, is it back? It back? Yeah. <laughs> so that's like, that's the one thing that is just like, oh God. I have that, you know, I was diagnosed with bipolar mania in 2012 and mm-hmm. it was like right after heaven passed away. Mm-hmm. I was an emotional wreck. Like I wasn't bipolar, but I just was unable to just manage my mood like I was sad Mm -hmm. I was sad a lot you know and then I would have days where I felt better and I would go out and conquer the world and then I would be like and today I'm sad Mm -hmm. and I really thought after that diagnosis that they were right like Mm -hmm. I was embodying that I was like oh this (laughs) is the bipolar that's why I'm sad Uh you know what I mean I could like get in a car accident and completely destroy my car and then walk away from it and be like oh but I'm sad, and this is the bipolar. It has right. nothing to do with the car. Like, no. And I had to really start separating that, mm-hmm. saying that it's not the sickness. It's not what they claim it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not taking any medication or anything for it. Not to say that I don't need any, but I'm I'm not taking any. Right. And I've learned to manage it in other ways. Right. So knowing that you just get a sad day, not every day is going to be peachy keen. Right. Understanding that and, and embodying that versus taking on this damn title like i'm bipolar because that's what they told me yeah you know yeah and that's beautiful that you're able to you know yeah some days they come back but you know yes just stay strong (laughs) yes i like that that period of my life being sick like that that it it gave me a a bigger respect for people because you know when you see it commercials with the the sick children and the dolls sad music and stuff you be like oh that's messed up and you don't know how to feel for them but when you're actually going through that storm and you feel like it ain't nobody in the world who understands you and nobody can feel this pain that you're going through and you just really want to give up that giving up is what's the scariest part about 
being in that situation because I really was like, I could feel myself dying. Yeah. You could feel it. And it's it's one of the worst feelings in the world to mm-hmm. think consciously like, I give up. This is it. This is it. Yeah. And I know it is. Yeah. To feel like this is it and I'm I'm done. And sometimes rest is the biggest cure. Like you yes. just took some sleep. You Man, took some you took was, some time to <laughs> that <reboot>. process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had to restart and just seeing my daughter doing all that stuff it made me think about when I was a kid and I'm like, she just don't deserve it. Yeah. I just wanted to be a kid for as long as she possibly can. Now I didn't know that your not to shift subjects really quick, but I didn't know that your father passed away from AIDS. Mm-hmm. So how was that knowing that? Like, did you have any questions or because um, how do one like back then it's like you only contracted AIDS from two ways, either drugs or or sex with men yeah. is how it was That's how you got it. advertised. Sex with men got him. Uh, oh, so he your father was gay? Yep. Yep, and um, uh, my like I said, he was his. My dad's people are like churchy, like they like a church gang. Um, oh, so that must have been super hard for him. Yeah, so he like my father never wore jeans. He was always clean cut. Like he wasn't the hey gay man. He was a man who just happened to be gay, metrosexual, and right. And it was just like that. He was just an amazing man. Like people just like like oh my god, but they hid that. So for years, what they would do is, um, they would take me to the doctor. All the time. I went to the doctor all the time just to be sure that I wasn't HIV positive. So they would take me all the time, all the time, all the time, because they didn't know when he contracted it. But how would you have gotten it from him, though? They didn't know how long he had had it. So they didn't know when he slept with my mom, if he had already had the disease. Got you. Things like that. If it was, like, from birth. Right. So that's how that was. And I never really could understand it. So on my 12th birthday, um, my grandmother was, uh, it was something they needed. for. She kept everything in a file cabinet. Mm -hmm. So she... um, asked me to get this stuff. I think it was like a, a camp or something. They needed our birth certificates. And I went in this thing and I saw my dad's name. So I went and I looked and there was his uh, a copy of his birth certificate and there was a copy of his death certificate. And in there it said uh, like uh, cause of death. Cause of death. It yeah. was like lymph, uh, like uh, respiratory failure and it was like a bunch of stuff to go with uh, the immune system and then it was like cause AIDS. Big letters. I'm like Wow. Hey, Granny, can we talk? And she's like, what's up? And I'm like, what is this? And then she told the truth. Everybody else would, they would all cover it up and lie about it. Like, oh, he was not gay. No, he wasn't. Oh, he was just So that was your dad's mom? No, that's my mom's mom. So why does she have that paperwork? Because um, when I the, when they were filling out a, a stuff for school, mm-hmm. if your if one of your parents is deceased, they need to see it. So gotcha. my his mom gave her copies of that stuff. Okay. So she always she kept everything, and okay. there it was. And she was just like, "Well, um, if you ever want to know why we always make sure you healthy, it's because we needed to make sure that you weren't sick. And now you've passed the time that that would have happened. So we know that you're clear. But your father was gay, and it ultimately made him sicker, and that's how he ended up dying. Did that change your your idea of who your father was to you no 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 because and i and i think that's i think that's a really crazy thing when people like oh my god people with aids oh my god don't touch them or oh gay people are terrible people or something wrong with them i'm like you never if my daddy didn't tell you he was gay you never know right never know yeah never know and if he you wouldn't be able until he got sick where the lesions started happening and stuff like that you never would even know he was sick like that. I just, I always remember he had a blue medicine bag and mm-hmm. had like the cocktail. Back then it was the cocktail. So he had all his pills in there. But like if I ever was cut, no, he wouldn't touch me. Um, if I ever was bleeding openly, no, he wouldn't touch me. He would have somebody else handle it and then he would come and it would be normal. Like I was, well, I bust my chin wide open 
and he came from work. He used to work at Gatlin's. He came from work, and he had to stand behind something when they was doing it, um, sewing me up. And then after that, he came, and I was regular, picking me up and everything, kissing me and everything. Nothing happened to me. I was perfectly fine. So, wow. no. When people are like, oh, gay, gay, I'm like, normal. Now, you said you dealt with some some sexual stuff in your childhood as well this was after your father passed i'm assuming yeah um what happened there if you don't mind if you don't want to talk about it totally cool with that i talk about it all the time because young girls they need to know that they're not by themselves like a lot of stuff that happened to me um comedy actually um helped me understand or deal better Mm -hmm. because i was really depressed beforehand but um when i was 15 i was dating a guy he was 17 and he was like smooth as heck and my grandmother loved this boy like he came he was like I know I'm older than her I really like her I just want to take her out and for the first couple of months he would do that like we would go to the mall he would bring me back and it was like really really cool and then um one day he was just always talking about sex and I was not ready to talk about it I didn't want to talk about it on this particular it. day he just kept talking about it yeah like this this just at one point he just started bringing it up or trying to like hint to it um and then he started trying to get more feely and then I was just kind of like, I ignored it, you know, like, oh, well, I know we go together and, you know, I got titties now, you know. Um, but I was still like that tomboy. Mm-hmm. So I really wasn't acknowledging, the, oh, you're so pretty and da da da. And um, on Valentine's Day, he was like, well, let's go to the movies. We're going to go on a double date with my brother and his girlfriend. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, we were supposed to go. We lived in Matson. We were supposed to go to Country Club Hills to go to the movies. And we ended up in Kankakee. And he's like, hey, we're going to pick up my brother and his girlfriend. I'm like, okay, that's fine because I'm not thinking nothing bad is going to happen to mm-hmm. me. So we pull up to this Holiday Inn, and it's like, if you've ever been to Kankakee, it always looks really industrial-like. And and when it's a little dark outside, it looks creepy. So I'm like, well, I'll, I'll walk with you because I don't want to be in the sky by myself. So we get up to this room, and there's nobody there. And I'm like, well, where's your brother and his girlfriend? And he's like, you know this is for you. And I'm like, what? He's like, I did all this for you. He had candy, a big old car, a bear, all that. And I was just like, oh, no, no, no. But no. I'm still not ready. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want to do this. He's like, we talked about this. I'm like, no, we. you kept bringing it up, but I don't want to do this. And now I'm running through my head. I'm like, all I have is a permit, so I can't drive. None of my friends can drive because they all got permits. If I call my mom, I'm in trouble because I'm in Kankakee, not in Country Club Hills. So now I'm processing everything, and I go back. I, I'm like, I'd have left out the room, and I'm like, oh, my God. I'm going to get home. So I go back in. I'm like, look, let's just talk. And before I could get anything out of my mouth, his his hands were at my neck. And he was, like, screaming, yelling, banging on the wall, yelling at me about teasing him and playing. And he took it. And he raped me. And I remember a lot of times when people say, um, oh, why didn't you scream? Why didn't you say anything? In my mind, I was screaming to hell in hot waters. In my mind, I was I was begging him to stop. But in reality, I was crying and laying there, and he was doing his thing. And then when he stopped, all I can remember was laying there like, please, God, don't let him kill me. Please, yeah. please, God. And you were still a virgin yeah. at the time. Yep. And then he slept. <sighs> I'm sorry to hear that. It was, he slept, he woke up, and he acted like it was the best thing in the world. He legit was like, oh, I love you so much. Let me get you home before your mom gets worried. And I got home and I took a shower for hours. The water got ice cold before I got out the shower. So uh, after that, did he still try to... Mm -hmm. I had to change my phone number. 
Oh, wow. He would come by my high school and he would just wait in the parking lot. And I would try to ditch him and get away from him. And um, I finally had to tell my, tell my stepdad what happened. Um, I told my stepdad that he roughed me up. And my stepdad went to Kankakee and I never heard from him again. Wow. That's crazy. Man, boy, people, <laughs> people, boy. I just, you know, yeah. it's it's so interesting. When you, I don't know why I automatically assumed it was a somebody within your, in your, like your, like. My family. Yeah, in your family when I thought mm-hmm. childhood, um, I, you know, you just don't think that teenage boys, you know they will, but you just don't, mm-hmm. you give them the benefit of the doubt initially. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You say initially, this isn't you. But it goes back to a lot. In my older years, I'm like, mental health is a thing because he didn't act like a rapist. He didn't think that he raped me. In his mind, it was, he. we talked about it or I'm his girlfriend. So this You're is okay. To. Stop playing with yeah. me. Yeah. And I'm like, it's a difference. I'm not playing with you. Don't take this from me. And that wasn't the case. Like, and I really honestly think in his mind, it was okay. Now, do you think that that we talked about it briefly, but it's affected you sexually in oh, the yeah. coming years? Most definitely. Like, I did not enjoy sex. And then I ended up in a really long, abusive relationship, and he made me feel worse. He made me feel ugly. And then, like, we talked about that situation. And he was like, well, don't Physically you think- abusive? Mm-hmm. Mentally abusive, physically abusive. Like, he beat me up so bad one time. I told people I got into a crisis, and they believed me. Wow. How yeah. long were you with him? Six years. Wow. Yeah. When we started off, we were kids. It was, uh, I met him the year after I was raped and he was so cool. He was funny. He was like life. Um, he was ambitious and he, everything that I wanted to do in life, he wanted to do those things. Um, he was into music really tough and he was a performer and I'm like, Oh, kindred spirits. And over the years he started to change and he started to be really abusive. And you know, when you start coming into your looks, as a woman, you know, sometimes you are that awkward looking girl and then all of a sudden you grow up and you start looking attractive. So it would be a thing where his guys would be like, oh, man, your girl, fine. Woo-woo. And I'm like, oh, why are you looking at them? I'm like, what? I'm not even, I'm not even, we, we chilling. Why are you? And then when we get by ourselves, it's like, oh, so you just out here flirting with my friends in front of my face. I'm like, no, oh, I wasn't so flirting. super insecure. Yeah. And then it was, we had already been together so long. You like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to get him out of that. And then I'm going to get him out of that turns into him punching you in the face and you like, Oh, well, he was upset or start making excuses. Oh, well, he was going through a lot right now. So he's just taking that on me. And then you look up and you got a baby. And then it's like, oh, I can't leave him because now we got a kid together. I'm just going to try to help him heal. And Oh, so this was your daughter's father. Mm-hmm. So did you guys, it, I mean, not you guys, but did you end up like doing counseling or, or any type of uh, groups or programs after all that happened he, for abused women or we like how did, did you how did you decide that this is enough? he almost killed me oh yeah he almost killed me um he was drunk and I, I like I always been a tough girl like always and this one time he took my car to go see a chick I walked to her crib it was raining outside I'm like I want my car I'm gonna go back home I'm just going to go back home. Me and my baby going to go home because I'm not going to take this no more. Yeah. And I knocked on a girl's door. They was up there having good sex. I'm talking about doing it. Um, you can hear them all out the window. I'm, oh, okay. So I'm hollering up there. So a lady ended up opening the apartment door. So I figured out which apartment was, went up there, knocked on the door. She's like, oh, my God, I think your baby mama knocking at the door. 
He like, man, that ain't my baby mama. I'm like, yes, it is. I just want my car keys. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this is baby mama. Right. So she's like, uh-uh. So he opened the door like, what? What the fuck you want? What are you doing? Whoa. I'm like, uh-uh. Don't do that. Just give me my car keys. You want your car keys? Huh? Take your car keys. Her mama ended up coming home. She's like, what is going on? So I'm like, my baby daddy is messing with your daughter. And she broke it because she know about me. <laughs> you know, the, the whole black <laughs> now thing. Now you trying to get the mama on your side. <laughs> you know? She's like, uh-uh. All y'all get out. So... Um, he like, I ain't going nowhere. She like, don't leave. And so he stayed a little bit. And I was like, I can't believe this. So did um, you get your car keys though? Yeah, I got my car okay. keys. And I started throwing his stuff out my car. And he comes downstairs and he was like flipping out. And he kind of flipped it on me. He's like, man, get in the car, get in the car. I'm like, I'm not getting the car with you. He like, get in the car. So I'm like, whatever. So I get in the car and he opened up the door and he gets in the car. So I'm like, that's fine. He like, oh, so what, you going to leave me now? You going to leave me now? And I'm like, uh, yeah. And before I knew it, he punched me in the face. I'm driving. I'm like, you know what? Nothing to do this either. So I park the car and I get out and he starts chasing me. So I'm like, stop playing with me. He like, I'm not playing with you. Get in the car. I'm like, I'm not. So he called me. He dragged me back to the car. Like we like kicking, fighting, like wrestling. I'm oh like, this God. is crazy. So I get in the car and he's like, oh, you going to leave me? And now it's raining. He's like, you going to leave me? Our daughter had to be like. She was in the car? Months. No. Okay. She was with her grandma. And uh, she had to be, like, months, though. And i never forget, we were riding down this one street, and there's a median that meets you once you get to 126th Street. There's a light, and there's a median right there, like, a world well, guardrail. And he was like, you going to leave me? You ain't never going to leave me. And went 90, 100, 120, right into the railing. I flew out the car. Oh, my God. And I ended up in the hospital. And uh, I lied, and I said we had just lost control of the car. But I told him I'd never be back. And after that, I left. I went home. I was blessed enough to make it. I didn't know this much about you, Lisa. (laughs) Man, this has been very insightful. Um, Gosh, the things you learn about people. Well, uh, (laughs) to shift gears a little bit, um, ultimately, what do you want to do with all of this life you've lived? Like, what do you (laughs) want to... No, seriously, like, what do you... Because I feel like when we... I feel like it is... I mean, this may just be... This may be egocentric. I don't know. But I feel like having been through all that I've been through, that I am a a light for other women. I am information. I am mm-hmm. resilience. I am power. I am overcoming. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't die mm-hmm. with all this information in me knowing that I can help somebody. Right. So like, that's, that's just how I feel about it. So what do you feel about your life? Like, do you comedically what are you going to do with it like what are you going to do with this well I do feel like nothing in life is wasted so yeah I do feel like um I went to I was in a really dark place in my life and then when I found comedy is when it was interesting for me and Mm -hmm. it was something else and then I met you and it's so funny because you know you you see people all the time and you never really tell them or stuff because it's just I don't know. I I just always keep stuff to myself when people inspire me. But you were going through stuff with your daughter, and I ne- I remember saying like, "Man, she's so strong." Oh like, yeah, we met crazy. six years ago. So that yeah, yeah yeah. And I was like, "Man, that's crazy." And then when you lost her, I was like, "Wow, what is she gonna?" I remember saying like, "What is she gonna do now?" Because I can't imagine that. And to see you come back on stages and talk about it, it was like holy shit she talking about it and then the changes you went through it was like oh and you hear the guys always like well talk about your life talk about your life i'm like nothing in my life is funny this stuff not funny it's not funny and then when you <laughs> when you start using that pain 
and you start healing from it and making it a joke or or making it to where people can relate and it's funny how you relay it mm-hmm. it heals you yeah and then to see you come on the other side it's like wow I can talk about some of this stuff mm-hmm. and then talking to Mary Lindsay you know she's like use that cancer stuff talk about that stuff and it's like I don't want to talk about this stuff but then you do because somebody else needs to hear that stuff. And maybe you're not ready now. It's not always when other people want you to talk about it. It's whenever you feel compelled to talk about it when it's real yeah. for you. And now, like, I've used a lot of those things that I've been through in jokes. And so coming through on the other side and watching other people do it as well, it's like you get inspired and then you just want to inspire because yeah. I was inspired. So yeah. um, I do I, I do want to thank you. That I was. That's probably why I was so excited to be here because, like, it's a difference when you get to see somebody go through something and then come on the other side because you're so used to people pulling from you, pulling from you, pulling, and then somebody that you pull from might not even know it, but you did. You helped me a lot because Aww. I didn't know I was strong enough to deal with a lot of stuff that I dealt with on stage or be able to talk to people. Take your time, babe. Been a long time since I cried about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta get it out. You just gotta but, get it out. But yeah, no, it's um seeing women in this game kind of like bond together in ways, different ways. You see um people with their shows coming up, like when you and Brandy were doing your show, and it's like, oh snap, this is dope. I see you, I see you. And then you got Adrian doing her thing and Nisha and Corey and Mary Lee, and then you see everybody kind of connecting with each other, reaching, reaching, reaching and talking, and everybody you 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 get to know these people and you hear their stories and it helps you heal knowing that you're not the only crazy person in this world. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel yeah. like to be a stand-up comic, especially a female in this thing, you gotta be loose a, a few screws. Yeah. And somehow we all take from each other. So sometimes when you get a chance to say thank you it feels so good because i'm coming out on the other side of some things and my darkness is light for other people and your darkness was a light for me so i do i appreciate you you're welcome i really appreciate you you're welcome i'm starting to learn the importance of female connections um these friendships and stuff i don't think i've ever valued them as much as i have in the last six months where i'm really starting to see dealing with other women and connecting with other women hearing their stories seeing their life um being inspired by them like you said um knowing that this isn't a competition right mm-hmm. and, and that we can we can get so much further if we build together versus if we built one brick alone yes. um and i'm learning that and it's been difficult because I grew up a loner. I came up alone. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was always by myself. Mm-hmm. And so to work with other women at first was very intimidating because it was a competitive nature. But now that I'm starting to love these women for the beautiful people that they are, mm-hmm. and even women that I don't like, mm-hmm. that I don't personally care for their personality, right. I still love them as an individual that's trying to tackle life because that's all we're trying to do is live our best lives. Yeah. You know, we're just trying to be our best selves at all times. So, and it's, sometimes hard to see that past a person's personality but yeah. that is what they're they're doing so all right well this has been one hell of a conversation <laughs> um <laughs> what do you you know i'm gonna ask one more question just to take it off of this note and bring it a little bit more upward um uh, what do you see yourself doing in the next 10 years what do you want to do with your, um I, honestly i want it's so funny because when I when people ask me this, I'm like, it's the same. It's been the same since I was a kid. I want I want to be on a tour mm-hmm. and I want two TV shows and a movie and um three bestsellers. Very specific. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a goal. That's okay. The thing. Turn up. <laughs> 
Um, all right. So I have this thing that I do at the end called the final four, which is four questions in four minutes. Okay. So I'm going to set the timer right now, and then you'll have four minutes to answer I got this. these questions. Let's go. All right, timer is not set. <laughs> All right, timer set. First question, are you religious or spiritual? And what is the difference between the two in your opinion? I am very spiritual. Um, because the religion thing, like, I do believe in a higher power, but the whole God thing, like, I got so many questions about the Bible, and I'm like, mm, that don't make sense. So, so <laughs> that don't make sense. Like, I, mm. So what does it mean to you? What, is, what, is, what does spirituality mean for you? Just, um, I believe in a lot of connections with people. Like, if you got bad energy, you can't step in my house. Like, you just can't because I don't want it in my home. Um, when you're out and about, just connecting with people, saying hi, speaking, you know, just different, just connecting with the world, with people around you. That's a major thing for me. So, um, and then just, like like we were talking about it earlier, and it was like, oh, my gosh, she gets me. Because it's like, it's more so knowing um, you and what you put out into the universe because mm-hmm. that's what you get back. Right. So, that's more of a thing for me. I just can't get with the whole church every sunday wednesday thursday so you're more into law of attraction it sounds like yeah interesting um if you could sit down and have a conversation with any one person dead or alive who would it be and why my dad your dad yeah it would definitely be my dad because we we had the best conversations like we used to lay, lay in the backyard and look at the stars and he would track down the constellations and just we would talk about any and everything and for seven years old it seems like the greatest thing in the world so i just would do that again gosh this is an awful question but do you think your life would be different if your dad was still do i you do think you'd be doing comedy nope no i probably would be some spoiled little rich kid or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> like um what is something and this is probably a good question for you what is something you would tell your 16 year old self don't um, do it <laughs> walk away don't look at a smile just don't, don't even date him no don't. don't even date you regret having that experience i mean <sighs> it was traumatic so i can imagine it was traumatic you would, but, but i got a really great kid out of the deal so there's that yeah so but i would just be like be smart <laughs> <laughs> if you could snap your fingers and have one thing for the rest of your life what would that be it can be an emotion a thing a mindset a certain happiness. type of body anything happiness happiness yeah that's so important to me now yeah i didn't get it a long time ago but now just being making doing what makes me happy being happy that's absolutely the happiness how do you achieve that happiness now like in today's time what do you do to ensure that on a daily basis i write jokes and i get on stage like that's so important to me like it's legit therapy like whenever i'm like away from stage a long time i do feel feel sick like i need that in my life i have to have it like it's like cocaine Cool. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for being thank on today. Thank you for today. having me. Yes, absolutely. Do you have anything that you want to shout out? Would you like to tell my people where to follow you at? Yes, everybody. You can follow me um, on Instagram. I am Lisa Laird. I am L-Y-S-S-A-L-A-I-R-D. Um, and follow me on Facebook, L-Y-S-S-A-L-A-I-R-D. Or just go to my website, www.lisalaird.com. <laughs> just, you know, say, hey, what's up? Great. Thank you so much again for being here. Um Hey, guys, you already know where to find all my information, kellyhoward.com, www.kelleyehoward.com. I have shows coming up. I'll be in your city. I'll be everywhere. I'm all over. I am like, I'm not like God, but I'm everywhere at all times. So I need (laughs) y'all to follow your girl and check me out. Thanks for tuning in. This has been 
one hell of a podcast. Um, wow. Thank you guys. And I always, always appreciate you guys as my listeners. When you share, rate, and comment, it means the world to me. So thank you and know that you are appreciated here on Kelly Talks. I'm out. Deuces. I want to thank our sponsors, She Funny, a platform created to encourage funny women of color to be empowered in their funny by offering various resources and online visibility. And also our friends here at Cards Against Humanity for their hospitality and donated studio space. I appreciate you both.